You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So I've got two goals for today. Number one is to talk about Le News. There's not a lot of it, which is why there's a part two. The second thing that I wanted to discuss is um, Twitter's, or Packers Twitter's res- resident grump is complaining that essentially the Packers did not prepare for what's coming. That is to say, the reason we're going out and downgrading tackle and linebacker is because we weren't properly prepared, even though we knew that this was coming. And although there's an element of truth to that, the ridiculously simplistic nature of just, let's just snap our fingers and and just draft somebody, and then we have a replacement, and then everything's fine, is just, come on, man. And so what I want to do is actually go back and say, okay, what should we have done? What should the Packers have magically done so that we have this top tier? In the last, he's had two years, two drafts, to make sure that we don't have any issues. And again, just to kick it off while you're waiting for this to come up, just something to think about. In a draft, a decent enough draft, you get about two decent players. You get seven picks, two of them maybe pan out. And by pan out, I don't mean elite, I just mean they start and they're not terrible. You get two of them. That's not a great draft. It's not one of those, you know, franchise-changing drafts. But it's not going to get you fired. And generally, that's what teams get because I guess you would say there's about 64 players that aren't garbage in the entire draft. And so on average, you'll grab about two. Just blindly swinging, you'll get two. Which is to say, if that were true, and I'm kind of just roughly throwing that out there, I haven't actually looked at it. That's just sort of an observation. I you know, should probably try to go back and see what the average actually is. 1.79. But that is to say he's got about four players you could expect over two years that can play football so we'll just do a little role play and we'll just go back in time and we'll fix every problem that there is to solve and see how easy or just ridiculous it is to assume that we can just snap our fingers and fix this problem because obviously it's just as easy to fix the problem before it happens as it is to just sit on twitter and uh, complain and act as though you would have done better not saying everything's perfect but to act as though they didn't know that this was coming and feel upset that they couldn't do something about this, but rather just had no idea and are being blindsided, come on, man. Give me a break. So that's what we're doing. If you wouldn't mind, jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you are an Apple user, if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star iTunes rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated. If not, there's always Stitcher. You don't have to sign up for an account. Just go to Stitcher.com. Find the Packernet Podcast, bottom right-ish somewhere. There's a place where you can leave a rating and review. It'll help people figure out, uh, you know, that this is a good show. Otherwise, Patreon.com forward slash Pack underscore Daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can do it for as little as a buck a month. It's like a little bitty bag of Cheetos. I'm not trying to pry you away from your Cheetos. I'm just saying... Would you be willing to sacrifice a bag of Cheetos to help out the show? These are the decisions we have to make in life. Big boy, big girl decisions. What will you do when your number is called? 
Will you be a Cheeto eater? You and your puffs? Or will you help fight and stand for something? Fight for the righteous here on the podcast. Will you stand and be heard? Or you just sit in the corner eating Cheetos? Decision time. Fork in the road time. Be a hero. Do the right thing. Anyways, why don't we take a break and very rapidly start running through some of this stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, every single night, local police departments across America get hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, these things are getting tripped by Junior, who doesn't know the password. So cops don't really know if this is a real crime going on or not. The only thing the alarm company's doing is saying, hey, there's a thing beeping really loud, can you go check it out? Simply Safe Home Security is different. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime, which means police get to your house 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. Which makes sense. You're going to punch it a little bit if you see a video of somebody rooting around somebody's house with a machete. Right? You're going to floor it a little bit. And that's good for you and your family. Because he's got a machete, after all. You're going to get comprehensive protection for your entire home, which includes outdoor cameras and doorbells which are going to alert you to anyone approaching your home. You're also going to have entry, motion, and glass break sensors to guard the inside of your home. It also protects from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and is 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself, no tools needed, or Simply Safe can do it for you. And the best part is, it's only 50 cents a day, no contract. So go to simplysafe.com overtime. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got absolutely nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. Ba-bow. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so another Minnesota Viking is gone, Mr. Laquan Treadwell. Now, I know what you're thinking. So what? Laquan went to the Falcons. That's the uh, Vikings' gain and the Falcons' loss. Addition by subtraction. Some people say you can't do that. You absolutely can. You can have addition by subtraction. Would you like me to explain that to you? What is 5 minus a negative 1? Think about it. Anyways, the reason I think this is relevant is because of something I talked about a little bit ago. First of all, they lost to Fon Diggs. Laquan Treadwell, for a very long time, although he did get bounced around a little bit, 
was the number three. Now, this is a team that had two really good receivers and then literally absolutely nothing and nobody. Now, the thing that kind of made me nervous is he had a little bit of a breakout year this year. It wasn't great, and it was mostly just some elite games mixed in with some really bad games to give him a good average. But his grades, and and keep in mind, this is a first-round pick, 24 years old, first-round pick in 2016. His grades starting in 2016, 56, 53, 51, 71. Again, you dig in a little bit, that's a little bit better than it sounds. But it makes you a little bit nervous, like, oh man, maybe he's about to become a decent enough wide receiver. Maybe he's a slow, late bloomer. He's slow and late. So from our perspective, this is fantastic. Because if he does break out, it's not going to be with the Vikings. Not great that it's with the Falcons, I suppose, but it's much better that it's with the Vikings. And now it's just, there's there's no solutions. This was a, a long shot solution for um, Stefan Diggs, right? very slim chance, but you kind of need somebody to step up and do something, and you kind of hope it's Laquan Treadwell. Except they decided not to pay him, and they lost him to the Falcons. And so again, they just keep losing people. And so right now, they've got Adam Thielen, uh, Ola B.C. Johnson, Alexander Hollins, Chad Beebe, Davion Davis, and Dylan Mitchell. And they really need Chad Beebe to get out of there, because it makes me sad that Don's kid is a Viking. Not a big fan of that. And so when we look at their receivers, you had Adam Thielen, that was their number one wide receiver. He's still there. Stephon Diggs was number two. He's gone. Kyle Rudolph was number three, which is a jump up for him because he's been slowly declining. So props to him. But I mean, what is he, like 700,000 years old? He's 30. Same difference. Then number four, you have Laquan Treadwell, who is gone. And then number five, you had Chad Beebe, who played in three games and was targeted twice. So that kind of doesn't count. After that, you have a running back, and then a running back, and then a fullback. And then at number 10, you have Ola B.C. Johnson, who is presumably the number two wide receiver right now. He was the 10th highest graded receiver, as far as receiving grades, on his own team. Garrett Bradbury, the center, had a higher (laughs) receiving grade. Two targets, two receptions for negative two yards. He was graded as a higher, uh, had a higher receiving grade. Then after that, you have Irv Smith, the guy that they drafted, second round, tight end. Then you have Kirk Cousins, who was targeted once. Then you have Dalvin Cook. Then Tyler Conklin. And then second from the bottom is Mr. Alexander Hollins. So we can add wide receiver to the list of of things that the Minnesota Vikings need very badly. Because the Vikings are kind of like the Packers right now. They got Stephon Digg, or excuse me, they got Adam Thielen, and then nothing. And they got to figure out who and what and how they're going to plug in things somewhere. Not a great situation. Again, not saying Laquan Treadwell was absolutely the answer, but there was a decent enough chance that he could have been. Also, the Falcons picked up Justin McCray as well. He obviously didn't play for the Packers this past year. He played for the Browns, but I thought it was interestingly interesting enough. Former Packer, and we were just talking about the Falcons, so there you go. Also just goes to show that just because you're doing things in free agency doesn't actually mean you're doing things. That's one of the things that annoys me, is every time a team does something, and there's a lot of somethings going on around there. In fact, the... <laughs> one of the Bears things that we're going to talk about, people started flipping out about, oh, man, the Bears keep getting better on defense. And they're picking up guys. I mean, it's subtraction by addition is what it is. But anyways, I guess let's just transition over there. The Bears signed three people since we last talked. They signed Artie Burns. Not, honestly, the worst signing in the history of the world. He is a former first-round pick, drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, has played there for quite some time. Got 4.46 speed. He's still under 25 years old. I think if there was a guy that you could say, if he could stay healthy, he's got a high ceiling, 
it would probably be Artie Burns more so than, you know, Christian Kirksey. Again, first round draft pick. First two years, he was actually pretty solid. So his rookie year and his sophomore year, he was a decent player. Then in 2018, he only played 300 snaps. 2019, only 67. But let's just say he plays all year, and he goes back to being pretty good. Decent. Not elite, but good. The Bears are kind of in a similar situation. If we look at their entire defense based on coverage, and we look at guys that played sort of significant time, let's just look at everybody. So the top coverage grade went to Sherrick McManus. Now, McManus is a guy that I've been saying for a while is actually a pretty good. I said it last year. He's a pretty good football player. I don't know exactly why they feel the need to go out and pay somebody else to come in and do what McManus can do. This is basically three years in a row he's been a very good football player. This was actually his best year. Now, very limited snaps, but we're talking about a 93.8 overall grade. And last year was an 85. The year before that was a 75. But limited. The Bears don't super like him, and maybe it's because they see something as far as, you know, you make him a full-time guy and suddenly he's not a 93, he's a 62. I don't know. But they got a guy that played 26 snaps. They've got Kevin Pierre-Lewis was the second highest graded cover guy. He is now signed with the Washington Redskins, so he's gone. You've got Dion Bush, who is a safety, but only played 58 snaps. So, again, very small sample size. Then fourth, you have HaHa Clinton-Dix, who is now playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Fifth, you have Prince of Mukamura. Prince is currently, I believe, still a free agent, which means they could, the Bears might re-sign him, but I, I feel like that ship has sailed. Then you have Nick Kwiatkowski, the linebacker, who is now a Raider. And then you have Eddie Jackson, who is the first starter that is listed that is still on the team, and his coverage grade was a 66.1, so average. Tackling, by the way, was a 40 Run defense, 66.6 average. The only thing he excelled at was a pass rush, and he only did that 10 times. So of the guys that started that had good grades in coverage, Prince of Mukamura and HaHa Clinton-Dix, and both of them are gone. Now to help bolster that group that has now been completely decimated, that is to say two years ago it was a very good group. Last year it went down to being mediocre, and now a good portion of that mediocre group is gone, leaving giant gaping holes. And and let's remember, even last year, apparently it was a priority for the Bears to go out and get corners, and I thought that that was surprising, because this was after the 2018 season, in which they had one of the best DB groups we've seen in a very long time. But somehow they knew they needed, needed, needed corner. I was like, well, maybe that's just to replace Prince of Mukamura, which it probably was. And also, they uh, who did they lose that year? Went over to the Broncos. Their slot corner was very, very good. He's gone. But not only that, Fuller completely regressed. Haha's gone. And your elite safety that you paid a bajillion dollars to because you thought he was this elite safety went back to being good, not great. But anyways, they also added an additional safety. They signed strong safety Jordan Lucas to a one-year deal worth $1 million. Jordan Lucas is a sixth-round pick. Uh, Miami picked him up in the sixth round. He played one year there. He left, went to Kansas City. Played 300 snaps, was not good. Uh, In 2019, he played 44 snaps and was absolutely garbage. And so the Bears picked him up, and he will not be a good football player, so that means absolutely nothing to anyone. But they're doing, oh, they keep adding players. Why aren't the Packers doing anything? Just doing things. This is like fantasy football when your buddy offers you up a trade of six players to try to get, like, you know, Michael Thomas, and all six of them are guys that will never, ever play because they're terrible. It's like, dude, I'm giving you six for one. Six is just a random number. There's no context. Add the context and it's a terrible trade. 
You want these are six guys to put on my bench? I don't even have a bench big enough. I got to cut guys that are on my bench already and add your bench guys so that you can get Michael Thomas. No. So just because people are doing things doesn't mean they're actually doing things. And that leads us to uh, Mr. Barcavius Mingo. And this was, I didn't read all the comments, but right underneath it, Bears added Barcavius Mingo. Let me read the exact tweet from Ian Rappaport. The Bears continue to add depth on defense. Agreeing to terms with linebacker Barcavius Mingo on a one-year deal, source said. He's a familiar face for Bears defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano and their time in Indy and special teams coach Chris Tabor from their time in Cleveland. And I don't see it now, but it was like the first comment for a while was this gif of the Bears offense being this, you know, scrawny, weak little thing, but then the defense is this roided up. I think it was SpongeBob. But the idea being this is a bad offense, but man, that defense, I'll tell you what, the defense is not that good. It's it's listen, this was as I said, twenty eighteen Bears was the best defense via PFF grade, I think even beyond what we saw with the Legion of Boom. It was just unbelievable. I said they were going to regress, and they did. The idea that this is still an elite defense, people act like this is still the 2018 Bears defense. They're just being held back by a quarterback. But man, they got Foles now. You better watch out. The Bears defense overall dropped to 10th. And and to say they went from 1st to 10th is an understatement because they were 1st beyond 1st beyond 1st. They would have been well beyond. The Steelers had the highest graded defense of any team in the NFL, the Bears in 2018 were better by quite a bit. They dropped to 10th, one spot, 0.5 points higher than the Green Bay Packers defense. And by the way, the Packers defense had a below average grade for run defense and a below average grade for tackling, and they were still basically tied with the Bears. You know why? Because the Packers had a better pass rush, which is a prediction I made prior to last season that the Packers would have the best pass rush in the entire NFC North. Guess what? They did. Packers were 6th, Vikings were 8th, Bears were 14th, Lions are 29th. And then if you look at coverage, the Packers are 9th, the Bears are 12th. This is not the 2018 Bears anymore, and guess what? They just got worse. They don't have a Mukamura anymore, and replacing him with Artie Burns doesn't fix your problem. They don't have HaHa Clinton Dix anymore, and replacing him with Jordan Lucas doesn't fix your problem. They lost Nick Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Replacing him with Barcavius Mingo does not solve your problem. By the way, Barcavius Mingo, wildly overrated. I remember people thinking he's, I mean, he was a number six overall pick, so people got excited about him. He's been pretty garbage his entire career. He's almost 30 years old. He had two decent years. He's never even been really a full-time starter. The most he's played was 675 snaps back in 2014. That was one of his two good years. The other was 2017 in Indy. The Latin, if you just, if you want to know if somebody's a good football player, here's since 2015. 2015, he played with Cleveland, 2016, New England, 2017, Indy, 2018, Seattle, 2019, Houston, and now 20, uh, 2020 is going to be with Chicago. That's how you know the guy can't play. This guy's still living off that number six overall, right? They remember watching him. They still remember, and they're hoping they can get a little, a little sniff of that glory that is Barcavius Mingo that really never was. So they're regressing with their linebackers, they're regressing with their corners, they're regressing with their safeties, but yeah, oh, bolstered up defense, they just continue to get better. Man, if Foles can just step in and be a decent quarterback, it's a Super Bowl. Yeah, except the fact that even if he's good, they don't have an elite defense anymore. You're competing with the Green Bay Packers defense that is probably better than the Bears defense already, except 
The Packers have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. The Bears have Nick Foles and Allen Robinson. Packers also have a better offensive line despite losing Brian Balaga. Still, better offensive line, uh, better running back. So yeah, all they needed is Nick Foles and boom, Super Bowl, right? That's how that works. Anyways, bottom line, I don't think there's a single team in the NFC North that is better right now than they were last year. The Bears are worse, the Vikings are worse, the Packers are worse. Lions, I think, are worse. I'd have to look at that. They did lose two offensive linemen. Diggs they lost later in the season. They lost Darius Slay. They replaced him, but again, I don't know if he's quite as good. Although they get their quarterback back, so that's automatically going to make them better. It's kind of cheating. The roster is worse, but, you know, you add the quarterback back, they're going to be a better football team. So there you go. Like I said, I'm a year late on all, or a year early on all my predictions. I said the Lions were going to take a step. I don't know that they take a step, but if the rest of the NFC North takes a big enough step back, there you go. Lions have a shot. Anyways, uh, let's move on to phase two. First of all, one quick little note here. Um, according to Bill Huber on Twitter, again, don't know exactly how reliable his source is on all this, but supposedly the interest in Emmanuel Sanders was real, not just picking up the phone and calling and whatnot, which is kind of what I had said a couple days ago when I talked about it. I got the impression that these are very real interest type things and not just picking up the phone and getting pricing and all that kind of stuff. Which again leads me to believe that all their guns are trained on Brashad Perriman right now. Whether or not a deal gets done, I don't know. Again, the Packers I don't think are going to budge off of what they feel is a good value. They're going to offer him the best they can offer him for what they think is a, a good value. And if he doesn't take it, he doesn't take it. But I do think that that's kind of where it's at. And if not him, maybe they got a plan C. I don't know. It gets to a certain point again with wide receiver where you say it's just not worth it. We don't need to add another Jay Kumaro. So either get somebody that can be a legit player or ride this thing out into the draft. Because we already got enough of those guys. We've got Devontae, we got Lazard, and then we got the pool of other guys that can do something sometimes. And I'm sure we can pick up plenty more as the time goes on. Undrafted free agents aplenty. But all right, let's look at tackle really quickly here. Because again, the resident curmudgeon of Twitter, Packers Twitter, said that Brian Gutekunst should have done something to address the tackle. He's had two drafts and has done nothing to address these issues, such as, for example, he's complained numerous times about wide receiver, he's complained about tackle, he's complained about linebacker. So he should have filled these spots already. If we look at tackle in the 2018 and 2019 draft classes, guys that played any amount of significant snaps that aren't terrible would include, depends what you mean by not terrible, I guess, but Braden Smith is the highest graded, or at least was the highest graded last year, played a thousand snaps for Indy, mostly a really good run blocker, not a great pass blocker, but overall grade was decent enough. Braden Smith was drafted in 2018, pick 37, which is to say he was gone before the Packers' second round pick. The only way, aside from trading up, that the Packers would have gotten Braden Smith would have been to draft him in the first round, pick 18, instead of Jair Alexander. I'm feeling like maybe that wouldn't have been the best solution. The next highest is Mr. Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown was a third-round pick and was taken before Oren Burke. So you could easily say, well, we should have taken Josh, him over Josh Jackson in the second round. But again, unless we want to play this game where we're just pretending we can see the future and pretending that I knew that he was going to be great, we're talking about a guy that went at number 83 overall. And you're saying instead of Josh Jackson, we should have taken him at number 45? No. No. That's not how that works. 
Then you've got Brian O'Neill, who the Minnesota Vikings took late in the second round. Again, could have taken him instead of Josh Jackson. The biggest issue I have with that is that Brian O'Neill isn't that great. I mean, he's, he's not bad, but he's probably a half a step behind where Rick Wagner is. And so again, we can play the game where we say, well, Josh Jackson's no good anyways. So he's, I'd rather have Brian O'Neill than Josh Jackson. Okay, we can do that now. The other issue with this, by the way, is that if we have Brian O'Neill right now, we're not drafting a tackle. He is our tackle. So you get a guy that's mediocre. He's decent, which is to say for the next who knows how long, let's call it five, six years, we have Brian O'Neill and we're not going to have another Brian Balaga. We're not going to get anybody better. We're going to get a mediocre tackle for the next five to six years. Again, Rick Wagner's is Brian O'Neill. Same difference. And if Rick Wagner's healthy, he's better than Brian O'Neill. I mean, really, the, the, the long story short of all this is that there's only one guy that's even close to where Brian Balaga was in the last two years, and that's Orlando Brown. Horrific run blocker, but he's the only one that isn't, you know, is, is any bit good as a pass blocker. And if we don't try to pretend we can see the future and we say, well, they should have just done something, do you know how many bad somethings there are? 33 tackles have gone in the last two years. As I said, only one has played significant snaps as a starter and is a very good pass blocker. The vast majority of the rest of these guys aren't even starting. And by the way, Alex Light is somebody that was drafted the last two years. So the Packers have done something in the last two years. Granted, he's an undrafted free agent, but it's not like they haven't done anything. I mean, again, what is it you want? Well, they should have gone first round. Over who? Well, instead of Rashawn Gary. And drafted who? Who should they have drafted in the first round as a tackle over Rashawn Gary? I need specifics. You can't just say random things. You can't just make things up. Are we going to pretend there's an, an elite tackle that we, we could have taken? Jonah Williams was gone, first of all. Second of all, Jonah Williams has not played a single snap. He is out for the entire season last year. So it's not Jonah Williams. The only tackle we could have taken over Rashawn Gary... Let's see, the next two tackles that win are Andre Dillard and Titus Howard at picks 22 and 23. Andre Dillard played 100, or let's see, 336 total snaps and had a 59 overall grade, below average. Is that what you want? Is that the big move you're looking for? Let's get that first-round guy. Let's go get him so we don't have these problems. Instead of trading up for Darnell Savage, we should have traded up for this guy who's a terrible tackle. That's true leadership. That's what a GM does right there, ladies and gentlemen. How about Titus Howard? Played 488 snaps for the Houston Texans. Terrible offensive line, so the fact that he didn't even play a full year is ridiculous. Overall grade, again, 59. Same thing. That's leadership right there, man. We should have got those guys instead of Darnell Savage. Or how about Caleb McGarry? He was there. Atlanta Falcons, were. that's leadership. Atlanta went out and got him. They went out and solved a problem before the problem started. Boom. 1,104 snaps. He's a full-time starter. He's a terrible football player. He allowed 13 sacks, but hey, we could have had Caleb McGarry. He started for the Atlanta Falcons, played 1,100 snaps at right tackle, only allowed 13 snaps. Incredible. Really just the greatest. This is the problem with people just bickering on Twitter and not actually having solutions. By the way, these guys are all still replacing Darnell Savage. How about Jawan Taylor for Jacksonville? 1,000 snaps. He only had a 63 overall grade and gave up 8 sacks on the season. Would have been a pretty terrible solution. But hey, he's a right tackle. We wouldn't be having these problems. I mean, we would have a problem of having a bad right tackle, which is kind of the situation we're in, except for the fact that the guy that we picked up for really cheap is probably better than Jawan Taylor. But still, we wouldn't be having these issues. And again, here's the funny thing. Had we done that, again, we're not getting Rick Wagner. If we drafted Jawan Taylor, this this is the 
the, the snowball effect of it. If we draft Juwan Taylor, two things happen. Number one, we don't have Darnell Savage. Number two, we don't have Rick Wagner. We have Juwan Taylor instead, who is worse than Rick Wagner. But if this is what you want, step up, be a man, draft a tackle. You know the problem's coming. Why don't you solve it? How about Greg Little instead of Darnell Savage? That would have been great. Carolina stepped up and drafted Greg Little. Granted, he only played 224 snaps and had a 52 overall grade, which is below average. But hey, at least we would have had a solution. We'd be a lot worse off, but we would have done something. Because at the end of the day, that's what fans want. They want you to do something. Except when you do something and it doesn't work, like every... I can go down this list. He's bad, 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 he's bad. In fact, I can go through this entire second round. You know what's funny? I would be willing to bet almost every single player through the second round is terrible. The first guy that you come to that's a good player is Elton Jenkins. But we got to throw a hissy fit because we didn't draft the tackle, and now we don't have Brian Balaga and all the leadership. All he's just, he doesn't know what he's doing. That's not true. Debo Samuel's pretty good. For the most part, though, terrible players, boom, and then you get to Elton Jenkins. And then a bunch of terrible players again. Cody Ford, same thing. He, got, he went 38 overall. He went before Elton Jenkins. Anyone want to take a wild guess how that panned out? Played a significant amount of snaps for uh, the Buffalo Bills. A little bit of right guard, mostly right tackle. 52 overall grades. Seven sacks allowed on only 700 total snaps. Seven sacks. And then, of course, if we wanted to, if, if we don't want to get rid of uh, Darnell Savage, we could always just move on from Elton Jenkins. Granted, that was probably the only good offensive lineman drafted in the second round was Elton Jenkins. But... We don't need a guard as much as we need a tackle now, although I don't know if that's even necessarily true. But for the sake of kicking and screaming like a child, we could just not get Elton Jenkins, and then, uh, let's see, the next tackle was Max Sharping. Except he got kicked into guard and was not good. So, there's that. I mean, you get, I mean that's just tackle. We can keep going. What about 2018? Maybe instead of Jair, we could have got Colton Miller. He's playing left tackle for the Oakland Raiders right now. He's not a good football player, but we could have done that. Right? We, we should have known this problem was coming. Granted, we created another problem by not having Jair. But boy, oh boy, we could add Colton Miller. And again, we can go through the, the um, Josh Jackson ones too. And yeah, we can highlight Brian O'Neill, which again, doesn't super solve a problem. But it would have not been terrible. But that doesn't mention Connor Williams, who kicked into guard. That doesn't mention uh, Jerron Christian, who's basically just a backup for the Redskins, apparently. I don't even know who that guy is. Or Martinez Rankin, who got kicked inside and is just horrible again you can't just snap your and 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 the larger issue here is this is why you take best player available they know that there's a tackle issue coming they would love to be able to rectify the tackle issue the problem is they made good decisions in not drafting those guys they drafted elton jenkins because they believed he would be a good football player and that's more important than drafting position which is why people that flip out about they don't need that position when I do mock drafts and I focus primarily on value and people flip out no we need a wide receiver more than that would you rather have a good defensive tackle or a bad wide receiver how about we put a little context to it I want the Packers to draft best player available because I want them to get good football players because odds are when you take any sample of about 10 picks, let's say we go from pick 16 to pick 26, I would bet in that range there's probably one, maybe, that's a good football player. You could probably do that anywhere. Obviously, it gets less as you go later, and if you go first top 10, there's probably going to be more. But in general, grab a sample size of about 10. I would guess there's maybe one good player in there. I'm hoping that the Packers get 
lucky enough to actually get a good football player and the only way to beat the odds is to really try to focus on somebody that you genuinely believe will be a good football player even if it's not the top position that you can muster up that's why best player available is so important because if you're reaching on a prospect just because you need a wide receiver or just because you need a tackle in this case you're probably going to end up with one of the 50 tackles i listed that are just not good because the vast 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 majority and and keep in mind I only listed first, second, and third round guys. I don't even know if I went into very many third rounders. I just mentioned Orlando Brown because he's a third round guy that was actually good. He's the only tackle in the last two years that's really any good. Which really just goes to show why just taking it super serious and drafting somebody in the first round would have been a pretty terrible strategy. And again, we can do this with linebacker. We can do this with any position you want. When it comes time to draft, you pick players because you believe they're going to be very good football players. And you hope that that lines up with need. You hope that you can find a solution to tackle. But to just sit back and say, oh, they should have just fixed this problem. Maybe there wasn't a solution to this. Why do you think it's so easy to just say they should have fixed it? They should have seen this coming and done something. Done what specifically? There's 32 other teams. There's 32 other teams that have drafted the last two years. There are maybe two or three linebackers that have panned out and two or three tackles that are not terrible. And you think the Packers should have gotten both in the last two years. The, the statistical improbability of that is is so ridiculous. Oh, and they should have got a wide receiver that's good. Oh, and they should have got, you know, a, a guard that was good. And, and a defensive tackle. Oh, they got Kingsley Kiki. What a waste. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. How many good defensive tackles have gone? Two in the last two years? Three, four, five? So what are the odds the Packers get one of them? Less than 50%, isn't it? everybody's drafting lots of people and everybody's missing almost all the time. Then you have a salary cap that you try to manage. And you can't just go out and get people if you don't have enough money. And not having money isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you're managing your cap wisely, as I believe the Packers are, not having money just means you have a good football team. And you're paying people what they're worth. If you look at teams who have the least or the most amount of money, almost all of them are bad football teams. You want to be them? You want to have $90 million and win three games next year? I don't. I wish we had as much money as Detroit. I kind of don't, because we'd have to gut our entire team to get that amount of money. And we don't want to, because we'd rather have the players. Because the only reason you want the money is to get the players, and we already have the players. So I, I, I guess I don't mind being critical, but let's try to be specific. If you say in free agency, we should go get this guy, and this is what we should offer him. You know, we should get Brashad Perriman if he comes in under a cap hit of $4 million, whatever. And he ends up signing with the Eagles for $4 million bucks. I mean, you know, whatever. He fits that criteria. And he's really good with the Eagles and ends up being a, a legit number two weapon. Then I think it's fair for you to say the Packers are wrong. I said they should have done this. They decided not to do this. I was right. They were wrong. That's fair. But to have a situation where a tackle leaves and to just sit there and say, well, we should have drafted a tackle, then we wouldn't have these problems. That's not sufficient. I'm sorry. That's not good enough. Especially when you're just, just you know, scattershot, just, you know, linebacker, tackle. All these problems should have been fixed. You're a bad GM. Come on, man. And this is a big part of the reason why I like doing what I had with my free agency list, where you can go in there and make claims. This is who I want, and this is what I think they should do. And these are guys who I think will pan out. These are guys who, think, uh, who I think won't. So that you have the credibility to go back and say, see, I said this. And I was right. But more than likely, what most people are going to do is they're going to be very quiet. Same with the draft. Okay, you tell me who they should... And I want to do that this year if I can think of it. I want to try to find something 
I don't know if it's some kind of a, a poll or some kind of a thing where you get to pick who would you draft right now? Because I'm willing to bet most, pretty much everybody would have just a terrible draft, including the Packers, by the way. They're going to have a terrible draft because everybody has a terrible draft. Occasionally, the stars align for one team who hits on about four starting guys, five starting guys in a draft, and it's just a fantastic draft. And usually it transforms the team because it's that transformational, it's that serious. But that's just dumb luck. You know how I know it's dumb luck? Because those teams don't do it again a second time. The Saints did it once, they didn't do it a second time. The Seahawks did it once, they didn't do it a second time. It's just luck. So let's hope the Packers get lucky this year and they solve a lot of these problems. And let's stop complaining about absolutely everything. There's probably things that could have been handled better, of course, because nobody is no no GM is going to do things perfectly. You're going to make mistakes. And I'm guessing if you asked Brian Gutekunst to go back and redo some stuff, he would have gone back and redone some stuff. But I just, I just don't like people sitting back in their chair saying, Ugh, why didn't you just fix this problem? You should have just drafted a great tackle like Brian Balaga, and then we wouldn't have to deal with you know, not having somebody. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.